Hey there, I'm Eric J. Olson. And I'm Kevin Daisy. You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. Hey, everybody. This is Eric J. Olson with another episode of the Managing Partners Podcast. Each week, we come to you with a new interview from one of America's top managing partners, where we ask the tough questions about how they form their firms, how they're running their firms, and how they're getting new cases. And today, I have with me Mark Kosiarski. Did I say it correctly? Pretty close. It's Kosiarski. Ooh. All right. I had to look that one up, too. (laughs) It's definitely a uh, unique, for me at least, Last name. Well, I appreciate your time. Do you mind telling the audience a little bit about yourself and about your firm? All right. Thank you, Eric. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I've been practicing law for 43 years. It's been a while. And I started my practice in a a large advertising firm where I had 28 partners, 150 employees, in a volume of cases, literally a caseload of thousands. And all of us handled anywhere from 150 to 250 cases at a time. And it was a great training ground and it's a great law firm, but I wanted to do something different. So after 17 years, I started my own practice and it kind of evolved into a boutique practice where rather than handling high volume, we handle a very small number of cases that are more challenging, but usually larger cases. And so instead of handling 250 cases per lawyer, we have a law firm of five lawyers that has at any given time, 45 cases. So it's a really different model. That is a completely different model than most of the personal injury managing partners that come on to the show. It's usually, yeah, very high volume, lots of cases spanning a long time. So when you started your firm, were you frankly lucky enough to be able to pick and choose like that? Or did you have to kind of build into that? Well, it was actually a conscious decision, you know, a pretty successful practice to start with. And I had national practice when I left the firm and I was generating all my own cases, even though we had a giant advertising budget, I never got those cases because I got my own. So I I kind of figured, you know, I'm generating my own cases, so I might as well do it my way. And it started with the high volume. And although I said I'd never get a partner ever again, I met Joel Smith and we've been at least professionally married for over 20 years now. And he's just been a a great partner. And my wife calls him my second wife, (laughs) you know, but we started with that volume and we had this really major quadriplegia case. And it was a products liability case. And we never had any time to work on it because we were running off the depositions or arbitrations in $14,000 cases. And we finally were able to dig in on it. and We settled it for $5 million. And we sat down and looked at it and said, you know, we've had this case for three years. You know, it would have been nice to have finished it in one year. And he said, well, you know, let's look at the 80-20 rule where we take all of our cases and list them from the maximum fee to the minimum fee. And what we found was 20% of our cases were doing over 80% of our fees, but 80% of our cases were taking 90% of our time. So we made a conscious decision to, you know, not send the cases off, but 
changed what kind of cases we were getting. And during that process, I was talking to one of my clients, a former client, ABC called me up with some advice and said he had just resolved a case with another law firm for like, I don't know how many million dollars. I said, well, God, congratulations, but you know, I'm kind of surprised you didn't call me. Did we do something wrong? He goes, no, I thought you were a great lawyer, but I thought you were a small case lawyer and I wanted a big case mm -hmm. offer. And so that kind of reinforced what we did. So now we've changed our model, or we did, you know, 20 years ago. And, you know, we'll take any big case that comes our way. But what I found is, as we were practicing, we got this nursing home case some years ago, and we turned a good result on. And, and it was, you know, like 10 times what you would expect from the identical injury in a car wreck case because we changed the way we looked at it and the way we worked it and so the word got out we started getting a lot of nursing home cases and now i would say 85 percent of our cases are elder abuse cases all over the country so we have this kind of boutique practice so very interesting how that evolved for you because it sounds like you use the pareto principle the, the 80 20 rule twice yeah. actually right yeah, right so so once to kind of narrow into the the, the large larger cases that you wanted, which I assume were always the PI kinds of cases. And then within that, you know, when, once you transition within that to narrow in even further right. to the nursing home cases. Well, that's where we started focusing our marketing. I mean, I still, because of my reputation from other stuff, get cases. I, mean, I just resolved a multi-million dollar construction site case. Um, it came to me just because people knew what I did. But we don't get that many calls on that because all the other law firms want them. You know, it's kind of like a trucking case. I love trucking cases, but the people who throw a million dollars a year into advertising get them. Yeah. And I, I did notice that on your website, it does definitely focus in on, on the nursing home aspect a lot more than the other parts. Right. So I, I have questions for you that where I'm, I'm thinking about managing partners that are maybe struggling with this kind of niching concept. And it's, right. and it's not just for law firms, it's, it's for every right. business. What did you find that, that once you started to tell people the kinds of cases you wanted, that those were the ones that came back to you more? Was it was it was it almost like you could will it into existence by saying it? Well, I think the more you talk about what you do and the successes you've had in it, the more you're going to get. The thing that makes nursing home cases different, it's not the traditional PI model where, you know, the way you make a million dollars on a case is screw up a four million dollar case. I mean, you know, it's not looking at the medical bills and, you know, this is a cheerleader. I mean, we're dealing with the death of a 90-year-old with a three-year life expectancy. So how does that turn into a multi-million dollar case? And what it is, is you start focusing on not who was injured or what happened, but why did it happen? And it, mm. all of a sudden, we start focusing on the concept of systemic neglect because now it motivates jurors. It motivates them that, well, this is a systemic problem, that this isn't Mark trying to make a lot of money on a case. This is a case that's going to make a difference to me or my loved ones if we end up in a nursing home, because our verdict is going to speak to changing the system. Or if you're in a car wreck, you know, everybody's been in a car wreck. And so, you know, if you had the death of a 90-year-old in a car wreck, you know, you're lucky to get $30,000. Whereas if you get one because some co corporation is siphoning money out of, you know, the company, so they're cutting staff and they're hiring crappy people and they're letting bad stuff happen so they can make more money. Now it's not an accident 
accident anymore. It's mama died because someone was trying to get rich yeah, yeah. and it changes it. But, you know, kind of taking, swinging back to that is nursing home work is different. It's kind of like the, we're here in the North where it snows. Well, in the spring, there's a lot of dog droppings in everybody's sidewalk and yard and nobody wants to deal with it. So kids will make a lot of money going around saying, I'll pick up your dog droppings. <laughs> so it's like this one kid said on NPR, it's not that hard, hard a job. It's just like, it's just nobody else wants to do it. So yeah. as a result, I make a lot of money. Well, nursing homework is like a hard malpractice case, but because nobody wants to do it or hasn't really dug into understanding this whole systemic corporate structure thing. As a result, we get a lot of cases coming to us because nobody really wants to dig in and learn how to do it, particularly for one or two cases. Yeah, really interesting. And I also found it interesting that you get cases that are not nursing home related because people know you right. and you have a reputation. And so you don't have to necessarily say no to the cases that that you don't really focus in on in your marketing, yeah. you can still say yes. And yeah. I think that's what a lot of people, uh, business owners, partners, managing partners struggle right. with is if I tell everybody I do X and something else, Y comes along, well, actually it won't come along. That's really the, the fear. Well, you don't get as much of it. And yeah. they, I mean, I've had some friends who started the trucking world and they convinced everybody that trucking is hard and they just focused on that. And all of a sudden they got these fabulous caseloads. Well, you know, I'll take a trucking case any day of the week, but you know, I'm not spending, you know, a hundred thousand, two hundred, three hundred thousand trying to get them. Yeah. So, you know, I focused our marketing on, you know, our skill sets, you know, our litigation skill sets. And through that process, everyone knows we've done it in nursing, nursing home and elder abuse. So we've we've kind of tailored our website to say this is what we do. And then incidentally, we'll do all this other stuff that they're big. Yeah. Got it. But if you're doing, if you specialize in something that nobody else knows how to do, you're going to get a lot more business. Yeah. Like, you know, a car wreck case, you'll, that's a volume game. That's a numbers game. Trucking are great cases. You have to have a higher skill level, you know, knowledge base to handle those just because you have to understand the trucking regulations. But then you move into med medical malpractice or nursing home. You have a whole regulatory scheme and a whole medical causation scheme that, you know, you're not talking about just someone being killed because they got crushed between two cars. You're talking about someone got killed because they, they weren't properly managing their medications. And so, you know, we built a team of lawyers in our firm to be able to handle that. So mm -hmm. we have one lawyer that's a, a second career lawyer who was a doctor before. We have another lawyer who's a second career that was a forensic investigator for a, a medical examiner and yeah. another lawyer that was a nursing home ombudsman. So right there, we've got the firepower to take on these cases that we don't have to learn the stuff. We've got it in-house. Hey there, this is Eric J. Olson, the CEO of Array Law. If you're ready to work with a world-class digital marketing company, reach out. You can find us online at ArrayLaw.com or call us at any time, 757 333-3021. And as you were saying, the previous careers of these lawyers that you have on staff, how you probably saw me smiling and shaking like, yep, that's a great skill set. So that's what it sounds like a lot of your marketing focuses on. Right. How do you get that message out? What are some different ways that you get that message out? Well, we get that message out 
in our website. But the fact of the matter is most of our high quality cases come from reputation. And over the years, I've been teaching at the Advanced Deposition College a lot for like 25 years. Mm -hmm. Through that process, I've learned some stuff and I learned a lot of information about the rules of engagement as lawyers. A lot of lawyers say, well, you know, that, you know, I'm a storyteller. Well, if you want to be a storyteller, go be an actor. You know, you need to know the rules of engagement and the rules to know how to handle it. So I started capturing all this stuff that I had done in my practice in a book just so I could access it quickly. Well, as a result, we've written a number of books that I didn't realize how powerful a tool that is to establish you as a thought leader in your area. So I've done books on 30B6, and I kind of laugh that I became the national authority on it, not for any other reason that who else is crazy enough to spend five years on one little rule that nobody knew about that we spent 30 seconds on in law school. And so I I wrote that book and that just exploded in people asking me to come and speak all over the country. And because when I speak, I play videotapes of what I do. Most of them are nursing home cases. Then they call me about nursing home cases in Montana mm. or New York or Florida. And so that speaking really develops an opportunity to get out there and tell your story about who you are. And if you're a thought leader in something, regardless of what it is, people will come to you for advice. And so we wrote a book on nursing home cases cases recently, but I, the 30B6 book and the deposition contact books have turned out to be bestsellers for the publishers, and they've been a great source of business for us. Interesting how it evolved because you needed to collect the information yourself. It was You right. wrote it, right. it sounds like initially at least, for yourself, exactly. and then you realized, hey, I've got something valuable here that others could use. I'm sure you went through a process of repackaging, especially if there's a publisher involved to get it out. But uh, it's interesting how you talk about speaking and being a thought leader. I think content has that ability content, whether it's a book or articles on your website or just your website in general, but content has the power to make your firm or you personally as a personal brand, a thought leader. And there's a whole lot of benefit that comes with that. You spot spot on on that, Eric. It's, you know, the typical marketing model is we are warriors. We will fight for you. That's right. There are thousands of websites like that. And we actually did an analysis about how we view cases and how our clients view us and to kind of think of, well, really, what is our brand? And, you know, we fight these battles more than most people, but that's really not what drives us. What drives our firm, and at least drove me personally and my partner, is that we viewed ourselves as professionals that we wanted to use tools to help people. And most of the people in the nursing home world just want to find out why did my mother die? What happened? And what, and they come to us not to get money, but actually to try to do something to just say, my mother didn't die in vain. So if we bring a lawsuit, maybe the system will change. So our brand, if you look at our law firm website is we we help you find out what happened and hold wrongdoers accountable. And that we are thought leaders who have the tools to be able to do that. And what we find with that is the kinds of clients that come to us are more consistent with what we see ourselves as and what we do. 
if someone just comes in and says, well, I just want to make a lot of money, jurors aren't going to like them, you know? They're looking like money-grubbing hounds. Whereas if the people are coming here saying, we want to make America better for all of us to live in, that resonates with jurors and it actually resonates with our firm values. Very nice. You know, I'm going to share your website right now in the video feed here. Sure. Yeah. I'm gonna, so for those that, that are listening... I'll read the headline right at the very top of the website. Our law firm gives you the power to expose wrongdoers and hold them accountable. That's a really powerful statement. And by the way, I want to share your contact information now just because it has your website address in there for those that want to go take a look. And I'll I'll put this up at the end of the podcast interview as well. But here's the website address, KOS Law firm.com koslawfirm.com but uh you know it's it i shared with you before we went live that i was riding my bike and, and i got hit by a car and and i was just thankful to be alive and nothing broke and of course my friends who don't know what they're talking about were saying you should sue them for a gajillion dollars big payday yeah. and i'm like I, I don't care i'm just i'm happy to be alive yeah, right. right i'll take it well what happened was the insurance adjuster kind of started screwing with me right and I, I didn't feel like I was getting a fair treatment. Well, it turned out I was because I consulted with one of our clients who's a personal injury lawyer. But but what, what drove me to take some action to contact our client for, for my own issue was I thought that that I was being jerked around, right? That I, that someone was doing me wrong, basically. I did not want money. That wasn't the case. That wasn't the situation at all. So, but yeah, I think that's a very powerful motivating factor for people. And I would imagine that resonates well, especially when you're sitting down in that first consultation with prospective clients explaining why you do what you do, what your why is. Right. And we find that with jurors too. If you study the jury biases, you know, there's a lot of biases about lawyers and lawsuits. And they say everybody should be personally accountable. You know, and it starts with, you know, the injured person should be responsible and personally accountable for themselves. But then that transfers into the wrongdoers should be personally accountable also. So if if a injured party, you know, owns what they did, but said others should be personally accountable for the decisions they've made, then that resonates with the conservative jurors. Mm. And now in our setting is, you know, most of the time we have in the nursing home world, people who are vulnerable. So they don't have a lot of their own problems, you know, causing it. But but there are accountability issues that drive how we view things. And frankly, you look at, you didn't like the way you were getting jerked around by the insurance company. You wanted to hold them accountable. You know, they took money for something they should get, they, you know, they, they got that they're gambling and right. if they're not do it i mean the biggest way that insurance companies could put people out of business lawyers out of business would just fairly approach people and try to resolve things fairly but they try to nickel and dime them and that pisses people off and that drives them into you know more lawsuits yeah yeah completely agree now that headline the positioning statement exposed wrongdoers. I'm guessing that is not something you started with right off the bat. I'm sure you've iterated that many, many times over 
the, the few years that you've been practicing? It evolved. We started with everything else. You know, we're the warrior gladiator here to protect you and to get justice. And, you know, as I was trying cases and I originally used those phrases, there is no justice. There isn't any. There's a, because you killed my mother, there isn't enough money in the world to do that. Or if you, you know, ran me down with a car, you wouldn't take any money to get run down by a car. That's right. But accountability is a whole different story. And I started using accountability in my trials when I was, the, you know, we're here, you know, to hold wrongdoers accountable. And that kind of became a thing that resonated with the way I approached the cases. And then from that, that kind of became, you know, the thesis of how we ran our firm, that everybody is accountable for what they do. And so then when we decided to redo our website, we, we talked to some branding people about not coming up with a brand that the public would like, but rather what differentiates us from everyone else from the way we see it and also the way our referring sources see it and our clients see it. And they interviewed our referring lawyers and our clients and they said, what is it that you like about Kosharatsky Smith? And they said, we like the fact that they were always straight with us. Their mission was to hold wrongdoers accountable. And they had such a high level of professionalism that I felt like I was important in doing something. And from that, we said, well, let's get rid of all this warrior stuff yeah. and just tell people who we really are. And some of our biggest cases have come in through that brand. I love it. That's great. Mark, you know, I, I didn't actually ask any of the questions that I sent over to you. This has been a, a really interesting conversation. And frankly, I'd rather have a conversation like this. But we've talked about a lot of things, niching, pivoting, how to find your niche, how to find your why, how to find your positioning statement. The branding part of the very end was really interesting. I think that's really smart of your branding agency. We're, we're not a branding agency, right? We're an implementation shop for digital marketing. But but I, I know enough about branding to know that, yeah, you have to ask your clients and others their opinion. What makes your firm unique and better maybe than the rest? So it's, it's good that they interviewed everybody and sounds like they did a really good job. They did because it, it was a brand of what we really are as opposed to creating a brand yeah, that's that right. people would like. And that's, that's right. What resonated. It was honest. Yep. Well, this has been excellent. Uh, I appreciate your time and I respect it. And we're, we're actually a few minutes over. So I'm going to wrap it up here. But I did want to give you the opportunity to let people know how they could reach out if they have any questions for you. Well, we would love to talk to people. We take hundreds of calls. A lot of them are just advice on cases. Others are, you know, whether we'll get involved in a case. So the best way to reach us is one, we have an email address to contact us, which would be Mark Cause, M A R K K O S, at causelawfirm.com, or just call us at 763. 746-7800. We'd love to hear from you. We'll always honestly share our thoughts and help get you in the right direction. Or if we're the right people for you, we'll, we'll work on your case. All right, Mark. Thanks so much. All right, everybody. If you would like to reach out to Mark, you have his contact information now. And if you're interested in digital marketing for your law firm, that's what my company, Array Digital, focuses on. You can find us online at ArrayLaw.com. Mark, thanks again. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You got it. We've been recording this podcast free of charge for years. Hopefully, you're getting amazing value out of it. We don't ask for much, but would you do us one favor? Would you tell just one person about this podcast? If you get any value whatsoever, all we ask, and we'd greatly appreciate it, is share the podcast with one person just like you. 